Bibles this morning, Luke chapter 9, be talking about the transfiguration. I didn't finish the chapter last week. It was too much, too much to say. Well, it's never too much to say, but I have a lot to say. Jesus transfigured on, on the mount, changed, totally changed his face. Luke 9, 27, but I tell you truly, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. Some listening here will not taste death. Some listening will see the kingdom of God before they die. Refers to the incident recorded next in the transfiguration when Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on the mountain he said, some standing here who shall not taste death until they see the kingdom. Peter, James, and John went up on the mountain with Jesus. The inner circle, the inner circle. You know, 2 Peter 1, 16 through 18, Peter says this, for we did not follow cunning devised fables, fables which we made known to you the power of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. They said they saw him. What they saying, Peter said, verse 18, and we heard his voice which came from heaven, which we were with him on the holy mount. Peter, James, and John was on the holy mount with him. When Jesus said that some will not die without seeing the kingdom, he may have been referring to Peter, James, and John. Many believe, many believe that who would witness his transfiguration six days later. They would actually witness him changed before their very eyes. Can you believe that? Luke 28, 9, 28. Now it came to pass after eight days after these saying that he took Peter, James, and John and went up on the mountain to pray. I hope you got a mountain where you can go pray. You got a place. Have you got a place where you can go? You got to have that place, man. If you want the power, you got to have the place to go. I just can't call the power down out, out the sky. You got to have a place to go to pray. Because Christ can fill you with himself and he can fill you with his peace and he can fill you with what you need. And he can drive away unbelief. He can drive away fear and doubt. He can drive away worry when you pray. It's amazing how better your day will go when you pray. Jesus said he went up the mountain to pray. Do you have a place that you can go and pray? Jesus did for our example, right? And he prayed the appearance of his face was altered. The word altered means it was changed. And his robe became white and glistering, gleaming white light. The word means it, it changed in appearance. And this, 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 this light came from within. The word appearance, it just, it just appeared like white light. And, it, and the light came from within. This is what we get our English word metamorphosis. Jesus' face was altered. It was changed. It was transfigured as a caterpillar, caterpillar to a butterfly. It was a Outside change, come, the light was coming from the inside of him. If you can imagine that. 
Mark 9, 3, Mark puts it this way. His clothes became shining exceedingly white like snow, such as no launderer on earth could whiten them. For whiter than any earthly bleach could ever make them, it became that white. It was whiter than anything they've ever seen before. He was transfigured. You know, it was a bright light that no one could look at. You know, um, Matthew 17, Matthew puts it different, but Matthew said, he was transfigured before him and his face shined like the sun. Matthew 17, too, said his faith shined like the sun. His clothes became as white as light, as white as light. Paul, Acts 26, at midday, O king, when he was standing in front of King Agrippa, giving his testimony, he said, at midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven. Paul said he saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me. And those that joined it with me, Paul said, I saw a light, you know, and he was blinded three days, right? Because of this light. The Bible says in Timothy, who alone is immortal, has immortality, dwelling in an unapproachable light. It's an unapproachable light. If he were to come in this room right now, we would all be blinded. We couldn't even look at him. He's in his supernatural body. He says, no man can approach, Timothy said, no man can see his face, everlasting light. That must have been something to see. You're on the mountain with Jesus and all of a sudden his whole face has just changed. Supernatural body. Luke 9, 30, it says, and behold, two men talk with him, Moses and Elijah. Moses representing the law. Elias representing the prophets. Hmm. Everything was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Everything that Moses prophesied, everything that Elijah prophesied was filled, fulfilled in Jesus Christ. You know, the, here we got Moses and Elijah. Peter, James, and John recognized Jesus. Christians We'll be able to recognize each other once we get to heaven. You'll know your loved ones, everyone that have died before you, your aunts, your uncles, your grandparents, everyone that ever died before you. When you get to heaven, we will be able to recognize each other. You know, the Bible says, for we see in a mirror dimly, but one day we shall see face to face now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am, just as I am known. I will know just as I am known. When I get to heaven, it's going to be a big party. I know some of you have lost loved ones, but it's going to be a big party once you get to heaven. You'll be able to recognize them, and they will be able to recognize you. Isn't that beautiful? He said, verse to the one who appeared in glory and spoke his, what did Jesus, he was as Elijah, and he was Moses, what did they talk about? Verse 31 tells you what they talked about. Who appeared in glory and spoke of his deceased. It said they spoke of his deceased, 
which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. The cross was the topic of the conversation, his death, his departure from this earth, leaving this world. That's what they was talking about. They was talking about his death, burial, resurrection, his ascension. They was talking about that. People said, well, you're not supposed to talk about death. Well, Jesus just did. Jesus talked about, I know it's not a popular conversation. It's not a popular topic. No one want to talk about death, but you know what? If the Lord tarries, everybody in this room is going to be dead sooner or later because no one has ever got out of here alive yet. <laughs> Am I right about that? No one. No one ever talks about death, but, you know, uh, many, you don't hear many sermons about it because it's too negative. It's too negative. It's not a popular subject. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. To live is Christ, to die is gain, Paul said. Paul said, I reckon that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared for the glory that shall be revealed in us. He says, all you're going through right now is not even worthy to be compared to eternity. Yeah, I have to discuss it with people. I don't like it either, but I have to discuss it because I know people who, even Christians, when they pass, their house is not in order. I mean, not at all. None, nala, zero, zilch has not been talked about. Why? Because it's negative. It's not popular. The wife don't know what a checkbook is. The wife don't know how to start the car. The wife don't know how to put gas in the car. She don't know what bank you bank at. I say, did you guys discuss that? She said, no. I go, why not? Jesus did. Because it's not popular. Well, just between me and you, if something happens to me, my wife knows exactly what to do. She ain't got to run to the church and say, oh, the board, help. What am I going to do about the car? What am I going to do about the house? What bank do I bank at? Where's the check? No. I'm laying it down to you right now. If something happens, you haven't got to go to anybody because I'm going to discuss it with her ahead of time. You don't hear people talk about that. But I'm going to say some things you never heard anybody say before it's done with. Well, anyway, moving right along. Luke 9, 32. Peter, but Peter and those with him were heavy in sleep. These guys could sleep anywhere. And when they were fully awake, they saw his glory in the two men who stood with him. Sleep. Luke 22, 46. Then he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray lest you enter into temptation. They will sleep then. Then it happened, verse 33, as they were parting from him, that Peter said to Jesus, Master, is it good for us to be here? Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. Jesus transfigured before them. His face shined like the sun, as bright as snow. Peter looked at him and said, Lord, it's, it's good for us to be here. Why don't we just make three tabernacles right now for you, Elijah and Moses? Said here he did not know what to say because he was speaking out of fear. And the best thing to do when you don't know what to say is not to say anything. But Peter always has something to say because he was a spokesman 
While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were all fearful as they entered the cloud. And a voice, verse 35, came from the cloud. A voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, and to whom this is my beloved son, hear him. It's a symbol of God's presence. Exodus 4:35. It's a symbol of God's presence. He would appear many times in the Old Testament in the cloud because he's, you can't look at his face. Verse 36, when the voice has ceased, when the voice has ceased, Jesus, found, Jesus was found alone, but they kept quiet and told no one in those days any other things they had seen. If, peop, if, they, if, they had told, if they had told somebody what they had seen, who would, would believe them anyway? I mean, Jesus was transfigured before your very eyes. You saw him in his supernatural glorified body. Of what, and man, we saw his face. We're gonna, they just said they just kept quiet because no one would believe him anyhow. Well, like people don't believe us today. We said we have met the Christ. We are saved and going to heaven. And people don't seem to believe us. They'll believe what they see in the TV and the media. They'll believe that. But when you talk about Christ, oh, man, that's, I don't believe that. Well, you'll wish you had. Someday when you stand before him, you'll wish you had believed it. Because you are on the right track. All you got to do is stay the course. I don't know what's around the corner. I don't, I don't see it looking good. I don't know us, but I know Christ is going to be with us no matter what we go through. And that gives me assurance. Verse 37, a boy healed. Now it happened on the next day when they had come down from the mountain that a great multitude followed him. How would you like to have a great multitude follow you everywhere you go? He did. And suddenly a man, a, a man from the multitude cried out saying, teacher, I implore you, look on my son. For he is my only child. And behold, the spirit sizes him and suddenly cries out. It convulses him so that he foams at the mouth and it departs from him with great difficulty, bruising him. So I implore your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. And as he was still coming, the demons threw him down and convulsed him, and Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the child, and gave him back to his father. He convulsed him. It was one last attempt to hurt the child before he released him. You know, when Jesus sent the disciples out, he had commissioned them to give them power over demons, unclean spirits, and everything else. Why couldn't they cast him out? Many say it was lack of faith. Some say that they didn't use the authority that God had given them. I mean, God has given us authority, but what good is authority if you're not going to use it? God has given us the full armor of God. What good is it if it's not, if it's not going to be used? Why couldn't they cast it out? Well, some said lack of faith. Some said lack of pr prayer and fasting. Some demons come out by prayer and fasting. There are different ranks of demons and some demons are stronger than others. 
Mark 9, 29 says these can come out only by prayer and fasting. Maybe they didn't pray enough. Who knows? Having power and authority does no good unless you use it. You know, Satan always trying to throw things in your mind. He's always trying to get you off course. He's always trying to distract you. I think we have more distractions now than the apostles had. Everybody, everything wants your attention. Everything. You're like, your mind is being pulled here and your mind is pulled there. Jesus said, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have to watch what you put into your mind because whatever is controlling your mind is going to control you. So I just can't watch anything. I just can't listen to anything. Everybody's running their mouth. Everybody's talking. Everybody's got an opinion. I don't have time for that. I'm trying to stay focused. I'm trying to watch what goes in my mind. Satan can never control you unless he controls your mind. And that's why he's constantly bombarding social media. This, this. Uh, uh, uh. Pretty soon you start thinking like the world and acting like the world. Christian life is a life of separation from this world. We're in this world, but not of it. Not of this world. But we got to stay here and we got to fight and we got to be strong and steadfast and stay the course until Jesus comes. Well, and we will. You get knocked down seven times, you get up eight. We don't give up, you don't quit, you don't stop. All right. First part of three, Jesus again predicts his death. And they were amazed at his majesty of God. But while everyone marveled at these things, while Jesus did, his disciples, he said to his disciples, verse 44, let these words sink down into your ears. For the son of man is about to be portrayed into the hands of men. So we see that Jesus is in control of the whole situation, not them. The man was not in control of the situation. Jesus is going to tell you what's going to happen even before it happens. He was not surprised that they put him on that cross. I hear people say, oh, no, Jesus said, no man takes my life. I have the power to lay it down and I got the power to pick it up. I received this from my father. He said, I give it. He gave it to him. He said, let this sink down in your ears, guys. Pay attention. The son is man. I'm going to tell you before it happens. He's trying to prepare him. He's going to be portrayed into the hand of men. Verse 45. They didn't understand what he was saying. And it was hidden from them so that they did not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him. Hmm. They couldn't receive it. Jesus said in John 16, 12, said, I have many things to say to you, but you could not bear them now. Apparently, the disciples were still confused as to how, how Jesus, with all the power, was going to humble himself and go to a cross. How could they understand that? But he did it for you and for me. He had to go to that cross. Otherwise, without the shedding of blood, there wouldn't have been no forgiveness of sin. So, they didn't understand that. If Jesus had not gone to the cross, 
1 Corinthians 15, then we're just pitiful. We're just pitiful. We just might as well just eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die. If Jesus had not gone to that cross, there would not have been no forgiveness of sin. So he went to the cross. So don't make it sound like, oh, he was so surprised. No, he told them ahead of time, guys, I was born to die. From the time he was born as a baby to the time he was on the, he was headed for the cross, even from a baby. He knew what he was doing. And God still know what he's doing. I don't have to know everything he's doing as long as he knows. My job is to follow him. Right. I don't have all the answers. My job is to let him be God and let me follow him. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to follow a man. Man will let you down. Man will disappoint you. Man is imperfect. Follow Christ. And that's what we preach. Paul said, I claim and I know anything among you but what Christ and him crucified. That's what we preach. Well, here we go. Verse 46. Who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Oh, boy. Look at these guys. Who is going to be the greatest? I can see their faces now. Oh, I'm better than you. You're going to be higher than me. I'm going to have a better position than you in the kingdom. Ordinary guys, just like us. A lot of people think the disciples, the apostles, just. Superheroes, but you know, they were just ordinary, ordinary guys. Just like you and me, they arguing about who is going to be the greatest. But God still used them. Because God has to use who he's got. Uh, he has to use imperfect people because that's all he's got. Right? All right. So don't ever think that you can't be used. He's not looking for capability. He's looking for availability. Anyway, who's going to be the greatest? Verse 46, then a dispute arose among them as to which of them would be the greatest. And Jesus perceived the thought of their heart, took a little child and set, by, and, and set it by him and said to them, whoever received this little child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me, for he is least among you uh, all will be great. Whoever received this little child in my name received me, and whoever received me received him who sent me, for he who is least among you, the least servant among you will be great. The disciples did not understand Jesus, what he said. They're still thinking about our earthly kingdom. They were concerned about their places in the kingdom that he was set up. So Jesus. So they ignored Jesus words about his death. You know, they were arguing about who's going to be the greatest. In the kingdom. He took a little child who was helpless. He took a little child who was dependent upon their parents without status. He took a little child. He says. Be like this little child, innocent. This is not the world's way. 
what he was saying is our care for others will measure our greatness. He's talking about servanthood. This is not the world's way. How much concern do you show for others? This can measure your greatness in the sight of God. Have you ever, have you ever expressed care for other people? The needy, the poor people? Jesus said this is great. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. That is not the world's way. The world's way is to step on anybody you can to get up that ladder, man, because you want to be popular and you want to be famous. Not me. I don't want to be popular. I don't want to be famous. I just want to just low key, you know what I mean? I don't want people to even know I exist. But they do because I'm on Facebook and YouTube. <laughs> I miss an old humble boy. I miss an old humble boy from Tennessee, man. That's all I know. <laughs> but it's great in the sight of God to be able to serve, you know, uh, to serve, be a servant. To be a servant. He took a little child and he sat in the front, in front of them. Are you a servant? Are you willing to serve? That's what the church needs today is servants. Big churches around. I know big churches around. They can't find people that work in the Sunday school. They can't find people that work in the worship team. They can't find people to clean the church. They can't find people to do the yard. I have a good, I know a person right now that bought this nice church, beautiful church, not far from here. And he says, man, I have nobody to maintain it. This church bigger than mine. Nobody to maintain it. Ooh, where the servants at? See, my job is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. I'm not supposed to do everything. God has gifted other people to do other things probably better than I can. So my job is to find out who got the gifts and delegate things to those people and it would take pressure off of me that I can study and I can pray and seek the Lord myself because if I do 20 different things I've found out over the years I'm not good at any of them that's right so I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do so many people say oh brother they say oh brother the yard needs cutting out there the yard needs cutting out I said dude the lawnmower's in the shed get the lawnmower and cut it <laughs> the lawnmower's right there a sitting down lawnmower you ain't even got to even push the thing all you got to do is just drive it man <laughs> it drives itself and the guy gonna tell me the yard looked terrible he said this yard looked terrible and I said, why don't you be out here next, Sunday, next Saturday at 10 o'clock, be out here at 10 o'clock next Saturday, and we're gonna, I'm going to help you do it. He never showed up. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, it didn't bother him that much. <laughs> Verse 49. Now John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he did not follow us. But Jesus said to him, do not forbid him, for he, is not, he who is not against us is on our side. What? A person that is not against me, is on, Jesus said, is on their side. 
That means I am to accept other denominations who are not Calvary chapels. There are a lot of good churches out there that's preaching the gospel. We can't say that we are the only one. They said, man, we saw somebody that casting out, out demons and we, we stopped him. Hmm. Jesus said, don't forbid him. If they're not against us, man, they for us. We are not to exclude other people outside our little group. These guys had their little group. They had their little clique. And they said, man, but Jesus had other disciples that they didn't even know about that was doing the work of the Lord, too. His power is available. His power is available to anyone that ministers his name. I don't care what denomination he is. If he's preaching the gospel, if he's preaching the word of God, he's got my blessings. That's why I don't like people come talking to me about other pastors. Don't talk to me about another pastor because if you don't want to go to his church, don't go. What my pastor did in this, do. If your pastor is that bad, why are you going to his church? See, I'm a pastor, so don't come talking about me about another pastor because it just gets my dandruff up. You know what I mean? <laughs> no one is forcing you to go to his church. They thought they was God's exclusive representative. Rather than rejoice that God was using others, they said, we forbade him. You can't keep God in a box. You must be, you must be willing to have unity among ourselves. That's too much division right now in the body of Christ. Oh, they're not part of our group, man. So what? If they're preaching Jesus Christ, like Paul said, man, as long as, as long as Christ is preached, what did Paul say? I rejoice. As long as they're preaching the gospel. Well, verse 51. And it came to pass when, they, when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfast, he steadfast and set his face toward Jerusalem. To receive up, and he's going to the cross now. Talking about his dissension. He steadfast, he set his face toward Jerusalem. He was to suffer and die. And he was fully determined to go, although he knew what would happen to him when he got there, but he was still determined to go. He would not be persuaded. He went directly to Jerusalem. He, was, he went cheerfully and, and courageously to Jerusalem, though he knew the things that was going to happen to him there. But, but he had to complete his mission. They were, but they did not receive him. They did not welcome him into their village. He would have been the greatest blessing that they have ever seen if they had welcomed him. He would bring, he would bring great blessings to that village, but no. The time, the time appointed for him to remain on earth was about to expire, and he was, he was, was time for him to go to Jerusalem to die. This was a voluntary sacrifice here. He chose to go in spite of the danger. He was determined. And he sent messengers, angels or messengers before him, his face. And as they went, they entered the village of the Samaritans. And, uh, but they did not receive him. Verse 53, they didn't receive him. 
verse 54, and when the disciples James and John, the son of thunder, saw that the son of thunder, right? Saw that, that the Lord, you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just like Elijah did. There was always hostility between the Jews and the Samaritans. Always hot. It was way back yonder. That's why in John 4, the woman said, what, you being a Jew talking to me as, as a Samaritan? They had no dealing with each other. Jesus is going to go to Samaria. They received him. They rejected him. And the disciples said, we ought to just call down fire and burn them all up right now. That's how some of y'all act. When people don't receive your message and they don't believe the gospel, y'all said, they just call down fire and burn them all up. <laughs> uh-uh. Verse 55, what did he do? He turned and rebuked them. He turned and re he rebuked them. You do not know what spirit you are of. You got the wrong spirit. I, I, Jesus said, I didn't come to, what he said, the son of man did not come to destroy man's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village to proclaim the gospel message. Jesus did not come to destroy people's lives. He came to save them. Satan came to destroy. That's what he came for. He came to steal, kill, and to destroy. You look around and see that, right? But Jesus said, you got the wrong spirit. I didn't come to destroy man's life. I, Jesus came to seek and he came to save that which was lost. That's why he came. Hmm. They say you, are, you should turn your enemy into a friend. These guys had no love and no mercy. They wanted to destroy sinners. And Jesus came to save sinners. And he's given people even today space to repent. That's why he's delaying his coming. He's given people space. He's given people time to repent. But we want to go right now. We want to go right now to heaven. Burn all them guys up. He said, that's not the spirit of God and that's not compassion. That's what he's saying. Well, Verse 57, now it happened, they journeyed on the road, and someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And he said to him, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Jesus had no place to lay his head. He was busy, man, preaching the gospel, going from town to town to town. He could have had a place to lay his head. He was the a creator of the universe. He could have spoke the word, and the house could appear just like that. Boom, house, boom. He didn't want a place to lay his head because he was so busy going from town to town to town and preaching the gospel. He ain't got time for no house. He said, and Jesus said to, to him, foxes have holes, birds have nests. Son of man ain't got no place to lay his head. Jesus had no home. Didn't want one. He was saying, guys, are you guys willing to follow the, are you guys willing to count the cost? Are you willing uh, to involve great hardship? He's telling them, guys, Following me is not going to be easy road. Then he said in one verse 59, so he said, then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me go bury my father. This seemed like a reasonable request. This is no disrespect on Jesus part. But Jesus answered and said to him, verse 60, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. Let the spiritually dead bury the physically dead. Jesus was not shown any disrespect, but the guy's father hasn't died yet. The guy was saying, wait until my father die, 
I'm going to take care of him and then I will follow you. Always some excuse. Well, Jesus wanted the guy to count the cost. You got, when you follow Christ, you got to be committed. You got to sacrifice. It's total dedication. Let the spiritually dead bury the physically dead. Let's keep on preaching the gospel. Let's not get distracted. Verse 61, another said to him, Lord, I will follow you. But let me go and bid farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one has put his hand to the plow and look back. It's fit for the kingdom of God. Because if you look back, if you keep looking back, you might go back. And you know what happened to Lot's wife, what happened to her, right? She looked back. God told her, don't look back. What did she do? She looked back, peeled up, saw it, boom. You can't have your hands on the world and have your hands on Christ at the same time. At some point, you got to let go of that world, this world system. Now, we, we have to live here, but you can't be attached to it. You can't be attached to it. He wants unconditional. He wants, he wants commitment. Lord, I got to go do this. Lord, I got to go do that. Procrastination. He don't want a disciple following him half-heartedly. If a disciple follow Christ half-heartedly, he, he's going to be uh, not used to the maximum. I found out over the years that God does not want my leftovers. Well, I'm not going to give to that church. Well, I got $5 here, so, you know, I'm, I'm going to pay all my other bills. But if I have anything left, I'm just going to give it to God. God don't want your leftovers. He want, if you first, you say he's first in your life, it's going to show in your finances. If you say he's first. If you say he's first. People go to Walmart and Kmart and all these marts and... Safeway and everything else and paying by driving new cars and they wearing nice clothes and they stay in nice homes and blah. But when it comes to God, they say, well, you know, God, I just don't. I just I wish I could help you, but I don't have the money. No, because Safeway got it. Uh, <laughs> uh, Walmart got it or Target got it. Somebody else got it, but God didn't get it. I've been doing this 40 years. Most people I tie, they, got, they don't have any financial problems. They don't have any financial issues. Only those that don't. And if a person don't have any money, they can always get involved to help around the church. I got things to do. I can show you what to do. But he said, no man looked to the plow and looked back. If you put your hand to the plow, James said a, a, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. You're unstable. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. You've got to have to serve God or serve the world, but you can't serve them both. Pick and choose what you're going to do. Choose you this day who you're going to serve. Because what you do now is going to count throughout eternity. What you do here is going to count there. That's why I talk the way I do. And I tell you what, Jesus said, 2 Corinthians 5.10, we all must stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And it's going to be some sad Christian standing there. 
I didn't do nothing. I didn't give nothing. I didn't say nothing. I went to church whenever I wanted to. I'm in control of my life. It's going to be when the rewards are give, be given out at, at 2 Corinthians 5.10 at the Bema Seat of Christ. I want rewards, don't you? I don't want to live for the here and now because everything I have, I got to leave it. You're not taking nothing out of here with you, none. Prioritize your life and see what's really important. See what's really going to count for eternity. You will view life totally different. Totally different. So with that, don't put your hands to the, plow, to the plow and look back at the world. Because you know who's running the world? Satan. He's the God of this world. That's who's running it. So if you're trying to run behind the world, you're running after Satan. Jesus, he says, no man has left father, mother, brother or sister, anything that I won't re return a hundredfold. You think God is going to be in your debt? I don't think so. So be that Christian. Be that light. Be that salt. The world needs us out there. The world is dark, and it needs you and me to go out there and proclaim and to show God's love. And I pray that you would be the one that do that. Father, we're so thankful for your word today, and we're thankful, Lord, that we are able to come, and we are able to gather And if you're here today, you have not received Christ. Jesus said, come unto me, all who are labor and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Because I am meek and lowly in heart that you will find rest for your souls. Are you looking Facebook, YouTube? Are you looking rest for your souls? You tried everything else. People say, well, I've tried religion. Yeah, you tried religion, but you didn't try Christ. Christ is no religion. You want to rest for your soul? Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And no man comes to the Father except by me. There is no other way. There's not many roads to heaven. There are not many roads to heaven. There's only one way. If you do it God's way, you will never.